Okay, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today's episode 272, and we're going to take a look at a gentleman by the name of John Montgomery Ward. Very interesting fellow, not a huge fan of him. I understand why he did what he did, but I don't agree with it. So that's just kind of how I view it. But again, his name is John Montgomery Ward, and this is in connection to us taking a look at different things within the world of baseball, how it got started, and why they have these different associations and basically why are they overpaid? Because these athletes, especially here in the United States, My personal opinion is that they are very much overly way overpaid. <laughs> way overpaid, especially when compared to just regular sports and also when compared to basically anybody else that is not playing a sport and just regular everyday life, just average everyday American. So, let's go ahead and dive into this puppy here and I'm reading from a Wikipedia article and again, There are many uh, sources where this comes from, so there's like 16 different references, so this is not made up. I did not write this. It's very interesting material, and this gentleman, he has been mentioned um basically on other websites in regards to baseball. So this this is real, this is legit. If ever uh, I come across something that's not accurate, I say it like it is, or I circle back to it when I find out, hey, there was a mistake, I say, "Hey, Let's do a little bit of housekeeping. I need to correct some things. So FYI, just be aware of that. But what I love about Wikipedia is that it combines so many sources all together. That's what I love about Wikipedia. Back in the day, uh, Wikipedia sucked. It was not that good. But I kind of feel like Wikipedia is doing a whole lot better job. And what I'm really learning about Wikipedia is that more stuff is available to read and learn about on Wikipedia. as opposed to like an encyclopedia because I actually do look up my different sources and the different topics that I'm going to do and there's so many topics that are not discussed in encyclopedias anymore. They're not really printed anymore and so I pray that that changes. Like I think every household should have a encyclopedia set. Like that's how I was raised. We had a couple of different encyclopedia sets and if we had a question about something, especially something historical or a specific person that maybe was a historical figure, we looked it up in our family encyclopedia. And again, we had like probably two or three different sets. So, it's one of those things that that is knowledge right there. Well, not a whole lot of knowledge is being printed anymore. So there there are many things that we have to get from online. And the reason why I say this is because some jerk messaged me and and um said some hateful things to me about reading from wikipedia i'm like well dude did you not scroll down to the bottom of the page if you're looking up the topics i'm looking up sometimes scroll to the bottom of the page and look at what is called the work cited page which means that people are citing different sources that's what a work cited page is so just fyi be aware of that and again if we see something that isn't right or doesn't sound right or maybe it's inaccurate you know we correct it and we're not going to be rude about it so you know i know that i'm speaking to you know my good listeners you guys are awesome we love you very much and we pray for you we really do pray for you and we love you very much and we know that you are not the jerk that emailed me <laughs> or messaged me <laughs> it bugged me i was like gosh i don't like it when someone says something mean but it was just bizarre i was like wow obviously they don't know what they're talking about but anyway Enough about that moron. Let's talk about this guy here. Again, his name is John Montgomery Ward. 
He was born March 3, 1860. He passed away March 4, 1925. So before um well it's during the roaring 20s but before the stock market crash in the 1930s and obviously way before World War II. So he was also known as Monty Ward, interesting name because of Montgomery. Um he was an American Major League Baseball pitcher, shortstop, second baseman, third baseman, manager, executive, and here we go, union organizer, my goodness, owner and author. Uh he was of English descent. He was born in Bellefonte, Pennsylvania and grew up in Renovo, Pennsylvania. He led the formation of the first professional sports players union and a new baseball league, the Players League. So let me see here. In terms of batting, he batted left. In terms of throwing, he threw right. It says here his major league baseball debut was July fifteenth, eighteen seventy-eight, for the Providence Grays. His last major league baseball appearance was September twenty-ninth, eighteen ninety-four, for the New York Giants. In terms of his statistics, his batting average was .275 and home runs .26. A um, little bit about his early life. It says Ward attended the Bellefonte Academy in the early 1870s, and at age 13, he was sent to Pennsylvania State University. That's a little young, but things were different back then in terms of school. Um, it says here in his short time there, he helped jumpstart a baseball program, and is often credited for developing the first curve curveball. Excuse me, but who knows on that? Um, Later, he was kicked out of school for,、um, I guess, getting into a fight with an upperclassman. This is kind of skeptical, but I guess the upperclassman was going to haze him. He wasn't falling for it. Didn't want to go along with it. He got kicked out because he got in a fight. Isn't it interesting how they kicked out people a whole lot easier back in those days? Like they didn't put up with any bad behavior, but yet these days, kids are allowed to stay in school, and yet they bully other kids. They cause problems for teachers, and I just find that to be very interesting. So. I think we should go back to kicking people out of school if they misbehave. I remember、um, going to public school, and I remember there were some kids they did get kicked out, and others they did not. And I wondered why the ones that were really bad did not get kicked out. Hold on, just a second. Excuse me. Excuse me. I apologize. Well, here's the thing: there are some parents they play their violin and say, "Well, if you kick out our kid." You know, we work. We we can't take care of our kid. That's not the school's problem, and that's not the rest of the school's problem, like the other kids' problem or the other parents' problem. That's you and your stupid kids' problem. So that's my personal opinion because I know it's like for parents to play their violin, not discipline their kid, and then they drop their kid off at school, and they expect the teacher and everybody else that's at that school to help mold their child into a good person. That's not the job of the school. That's not the job of the teacher. The job of the school is to give them a good basic education, especially if it is a public school. That's it. That's all they are responsible for. And if you or your kid cannot behave, or whatever the case may be, or if you are the kid and you cannot behave, you don't deserve to be there. You're not guaranteed an education. If you think you're guaranteed an education, you are an elitist and you are an idiot and a moron, and you have a problem with pride. And that sounds a little harsh, but think about it. If you think that you are entitled to something and it's not even yours, that's greed. So wake up and smell the roses on that one.、Um, it says the following year in 1874, his parents James and Ruth died. So that was common back then for kids to lose their parents or for parents to lose their kids because of infectious disease. I don't know what his parents died of, but it was very common for people to not live very long back then. 
because you have to remember that antibiotics were not invented until the 1940s and also other medical innovations did not come about until the 20th or 21st century so be aware of that yeah um, it says he tried to make it as a traveling salesman but that didn't work out and because that did not work out he returned to his hometown and there he supposedly rediscovered baseball in 1878 Um, the semi-professional team for which he was playing uh, folded, and so it didn't go very well, and that opened a door for him to move on to a new opportunity. So, needs to say, I think that's a really good example of how don't let a hardship hold you back. Move forward. Um, he was offered a contract to pitch for the Providence Grays of the still new National League, an all-professional major league that had begun its operations in 1876. Now, a little bit of history about the Providence Grays and him playing for them. It says Ward's first season with the Grays was a successful one. That's awesome. Um, he played that season exclusively as a pitcher, I guess. And then um, it says here, but during the following seasons, he played increasingly in the outfield and at third base. So this guy is growing his skills. That's one thing I do like about him is that he grew his skills. Like he didn't let hardships hold him back. And there's actually, um, I'm trying to remember if it's this team or another team. where he got hurt um i guess he hurt his right arm he was a he was a pitcher and he would throw with his right arm and because he was injured he couldn't throw with that arm but he still had to play if he wanted to earn a living and stay on the team and be in the league so he taught himself how to throw with his left arm isn't that amazing so he taught himself how to be uh, what's it called ambidextrous that is very cool that i think is awesome i respect that that's that's so cool Let's see here in terms of his stats it kind of jumps around a little bit. It says uh stolen bases 540. He has a win-loss record of 164 to 103. His average uh, or earned run average is 2.10 and strikeouts is 920. In terms of teams as a player, he played for the Providence Grays from 1878, sorry, yeah, 1878 to 1882. Then he played for the New York Gotham's Giants from 1883 to 1889. Then he played for Brooklyn Ward's Wonders in 1890. And then he played for Brooklyn Grooms from 1891 to 1892. Then he played for the New York Giants from 1893 to 1894. He then was a manager, so he kind of has several different roles here throughout his lifetime. As a manager, he was with the Providence Grays in 1880. As a manager, he was with the New York Gotham's in 1884. Then as a manager, he was with the Brooklyn Ward's Wonders in 1890. Also as a manager, he was with the Brooklyn Grooms from 1891 to 1892. Then again as a manager, he was with the New York Giants from 1893 to 1894. Um some of his career highlights and awards. Um so I guess with the National League, um I guess he was a wins leader in 1879. and then he was an NL ERA leader in 1878 then he was a NL strikeout leader in 1879 and then he was a two-time NL stolen base leader 1887 and 1892 and then he pitched a perfect game on June 17th 1880 so very interesting there and then he was inducted into the baseball hall of fame um in 1964 See if it tells me anything else. Let's see. I'm kind of jumping around here because I don't want to go through every single little paragraph on this. Um, so next, we're talk about the New York or sorry, New York and Reserve Clause. So it says Ward moved to the 
to the new New York NL club in 1883. An injury to his right arm while running the bases during the 1884 season ended Ward's pitching career. As he could not wait for his arm to heal before he returned to the field, he taught himself to throw left-handed so he could play center field for the remainder of the 1884 season. He replaced Jim Price as the Giants manager for the final 16 games of the 1884 season. Uh, with his arm fully recuperated, he became the everyday shortstop in 1885. Uh, Ward graduated from Columbia Law School in 1885 and led the players in forming the Brotherhood of Professional Baseball Players, the first sports labor union. That's where I have an issue with this. <laughs> so, um, so he goes to law school, and that's where he learns how to basically feed off the private sector, be a bully, and be anti-capitalism. That's one thing I don't like about law schools. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I don't like. A lot of people go to law school one way, and they come out basically selling their soul to the devil. Now, not everybody's like that. Not everybody, but I know that if and when I ever go to law school, which I think pretty sure I will, I will never be like that. I think you need to hold fast to who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to be who God created you to be, and not just mold yourself to whatever you're taught. And some of you might be saying, "Well, that's a little hypocritical, considering that you know, if you're Christian or Jewish like I am, you're molding yourself to God's way, right?" Let me tell you something: it, you're not molding yourself to God; you are connecting yourself to God. And technically, when you mold yourself to something, you're changing yourself into something that you never were. Being that we are made in the image of God, we are already God's children. So. There's a big difference there, and I've known some people that have gone to law school, and like I said, they went in one way and came out a completely different person, and I couldn't even be friends with them anymore. They were so corrupt and so evil. I was like, I, wow, I can't be around that. You know, you would think that when someone goes to law school and they learn the law, they would want to do good with it, but that's not what happened here, and that's not what happened with with some of the people that I know that went to law school. So for the longest time, I had a horrible opinion of law school. Even though I wanted to go to law school, it's just it kind of scared me because I didn't want to become like those people that I knew had just turned their back on God and had basically sold their soul to the devil all for the sake of a career. It reminds me of a movie with、uh, Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. What am I thinking of? The guy in Scarface or whatever. I don't want to be like that. I want to be. A source of good. I want to be a blessing to others. I don't want to lead others astray, but but you'd be surprised how many lawyers lead others astray, and that's what I don't like. And I feel like that's what this guy did because that's exactly what he did. So needs to say it says Ward and the players have become frustrated with the owner's reserve clause. Now that I understand because that reserve clause really was evil, and I don't agree with it. But just because something is evil, that doesn't mean. You you fight evil with evil. You fight evil with good. So that's my personal opinion. There、It、says here, him and the players were frustrated with the owner's reserve clause, which allowed them to sign players to one-year contracts and then not allow them to negotiate with other teams when those contracts expired. So basically, the contract would just keep going and going and going, even though it was a one-year contract. That's very much illegal and unlawful and and immoral. So the owners were totally stupid in doing that. Like all of this labor union malarkey could have been 
avoided if the owners of these teams had just respected the players for for who they are as a person and not squander their labor or their money. The players felt that the owners had absolute power, which is semi true, but you should never think that someone has absolute power over you. Because when you think that way, you're giving them power. Don't give them power over you ever in any situation. At first, the players had some success getting the freedom to negotiate with other teams when they were asked to take a pay cut by their current team. In October 1887, Ward married. This is stupid. Uh, Helen. Um, she, he married an actress, Helen Duvay. How do you pronounce her? I, I don't even care about that. Um, so he's high and rising, right? So. I guess it's nothing new that baseball players and athletes <laughs> marry actresses like they really love them. I mean, it's about sex and money. It's not real love. Not not like that. Um so not a big fan of all that that happened. So um it says in 1888 after the Giants had finished first in the National League and had won a playoff series known today as a World Series, they played the St. Louis Browns of the American Association for the Duvet Cup. which was named after Ward's wife wow how entitled pat yourself on the back uh Ward then captain an all-star team which paired with um Chicago club whatever that is and so um let's see the owners held their winter meetings and created a classification system that would determine a player's salary under the system the most a player could earn was $2500 which is equivalent to $81000 In 2022, the Giants then sold Ward to the Washington Nationals for a record price of $12,000, which is quite a bit of money for back then. Ward was furious and left the tour early. He then demanded a meeting with the owners and said he would refuse to play for Washington unless he received a large portion of his record sale price. Washington eventually refused payment on the transaction nullifying the deal. So Ward wanted some of that money. He's 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 greedy. <laughs> he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He has a problem with greed. Why well, I'm not surprised. A lot of unions and union members have problems with greed. The owners denied Ward's request for a meeting to discuss the new classification system, saying no talks would be held until after the upcoming season. The Ward and the union fought hard for these issues. that did not distract him or his giants team as he hit whatever stupid record that is i don't even care um let's see here uh, let's see amidst ward's commitments as a ball player and union organizer he still found time for a third occupation that of an author in 1888 um he wrote a book baseball how to become a player with the origin history and explanation of the game And that was first published um to explore baseball's development from its early roots. Like he even knows about it. Like he's not the one that invented it. See, that's the problem with these labor unions. They act like they own everything and they act like they invented it. He learned baseball from somebody else. He learned it from somebody else. Baseball was already around long before he started playing it. So this is the problem with a lot of labor unions. They are very arrogant. Very arrogant. So moving on says Ward realized that negotiations with the owners were going nowhere and threatened to create a players league. Wow. So unions nothing new they threatened. The owners thought of it as nothing more than idle threat, but had failed to realize Ward's connections in the business community and he began to launch the new league. The new players league included a profit sharing system for the players 
It had no reserve clause or classification plan. Now, here's the thing. Part of this I agree with. Part of it I do not. I do not agree with profit sharing. That's socialism. I do agree with not having a reserve clause because your labor belongs to you, especially in regards to this. And the classification plan, mm, I kind of understand where the owners are coming from because you don't, you don't pay a new player the much as someone else that has more time in the batting cages and has a better record. So it's one of those things like he obviously doesn't understand money. He wants money. He loves money. I bet his wife did too. But he doesn't understand supply and demand and what things actually cost. So kind of interesting there. Um, so it says here, due to an agreement after the dissolution of the Players League, Ward stayed in Brooklyn as player manager for the National League team, the Brooklyn Grooms. Following the 1892 season, Ward expressed his desire to return to the Giants and was sold to his former club for $6,000. Despite his declining bat, Ward led the league in stolen bases in 1893. I don't even care about the rest of this. But anyway, he finished his career doing really good. Um, it says here he is the only man in history to win over 100 games as a pitcher and collect over 2,000 hits. Really interesting there. That's nice and everything, but that doesn't mean that you own the team or that you own the league or that you invented baseball. That, see, that, th this is where the arrogance comes into play here, so to speak. Um, Ward retired from baseball at age 34 in order to enter the legal profession. I'm not surprised there. As a successful lawyer, he uh, represented baseball players against the National League. Why am I not surprised? Later, he acted as president and part-time owner or part owner of the Boston Braves franchise and became an official in the short-lived Federal League in 1914, acting as the business manager of the Brooklyn Tip Tops. Um, in the last quarter century of his life, Ward's sporting passion became golf. He won several championships around New York, played all over Europe, and competed regularly in the United States uh, Golf Association U.S. Amateur. So interesting there. Um, it says he died in Augusta, Georgia, the day after his 65th birthday on March 4th, 1925, after, uh, oh, he basically suffered from pneumonia. And so that's the thing. There were no antibiotics back then. So um, he is buried in Greenfield Cemetery in Hempstead, or Hempstead, however you pronounce that, Long Island, uh, Long Island, New York. So I can't say it. Long Island, New York. <laughs> so my, my mouth is dry. I'm a little, I'm a little congested. Um, he is named in the honor rolls of baseball in uh, 1946. Uh, Ward was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee in 1964. So, again, veterans that tend to nominate their own. I don't always agree with that because it's like a good old boy system. Um, he was inducted into the Suffolk Sports Hall of Fame, also in Long Island, in the baseball and historic recognition categories with the class of 2000. Let's see here. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, hold on a second. <coughs> So anyway, I apologize. My voice. Let me get a drink of water. Oh, man. Okay, I apologize. My, my throat is a little dry today. And I am congested. Okay, so anyway, that is it for John um, Montgomery Ward. Interesting ball player. What I do like about him, because I don't like to focus on the negative... What I do like about him is that he was very versatile. He did not give up. His parents died when he was very young. He didn't stop growing up to become a man and 
to build character. He kind of lost his way when he went to law school. Um I do agree with him that you do have to stand up for yourself sometimes and go up against the owners. But that doesn't mean that you act like you own the team or that you own the company. What's interesting is that he went from being a baseball player to becoming a lawyer to becoming an owner and a manager of of teams and things like that and then he started representing players all against um different um leagues and associations so it's like i just kind of feel like he wanted to prove himself over and over again you know it's kind of like you know how like whenever you're telling someone your story you know let's say like you had a really tough time at like a job or something and the person you're speaking to um then all of a sudden makes your story about them about themselves and then they get all fired up and ramped up you're like hey hold it like that's my story that's what i feel like he did by representing all these different baseball players i don't believe that he was representing them for the best of reasons even though it looks that way because you know he's he's one of the good old boys uh, married an actress um did really well for himself you know quote unquote um you know fought the system just because someone quote unquote fought the system doesn't mean that they should have fought the system and also it doesn't mean that the way they fought the system was appropriate that's my thing i'm all for people standing up for themselves and and really focusing on what they need and desire in their life but it has to be good moral and legal and ethical and Labor unions are not known for any of that. So just FYI be aware of that because it it is an issue with labor unions to this day. But I will go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast. But as usual until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.
Still home.